Welcome to Around the Diamond, Ottawa's source for baseball talk. This is shortstop Junior Rojo with the Rockland Boulders. This is your boy Reggie Abercrombie. Hey, this is your boy Coop. This is Josh Wood. Hey, what's up? It's your boy Kenny Bryant from the Ottawa Champions. This is Quebec Capital's third baseman and pitcher Lachlan Fontaine. Hey, this is Ottawa Champion second baseman Albert Cartwright all the way from the Bahamas. You're listening to Around the Diamond with my man Diamond Dante on CKDJ 107.9. Profiling players' careers and their life outside of baseball. Now, here's your host, Diamond Dante. Seb high and deep to right, and that's out Cartwright, and that's a walk-off single. Albert Cartwright wins the ballgame. Mastro Berti comes in to score. Duarte up the middle, and that's the ballgame. Wilson, the one-two, big cut, and he struck him out. Wilson back-to-back strikeouts on a slider in the dirt. Tissenbaum swings at that one. And your co-host. Chambers flying into third with a triple. Chambers is back. He looks up and it's off the top of the wall. Fires it back into second base. And they got him. Chambers slaps it the other way. Louis Cardinals World Series champion Adron Chambers. In the air to left, well hit. Back is Craig. What a team. What a ride. The Cardinals are world champs in 2011. Welcome to episode 47 of Around the Diamond here on CKDJ 107.9. I'm your host, Diamond Dante. Alongside me is Michael Nellis, who has joined us back in studio on this, beauti- on this beautiful Saturday night. At- no chambers. No chambers. Is he still in the intro, though? No. Uh, yeah, he is. Okay. Actually, yeah, you've probably just heard Adron yeah. Chambers and... Chambers slaps it the other way. Here <laughs> comes Jay. Here comes the throw. He is safe. What about Seb high and deep to right? <laughs> you got to move away from the mic when you do that. It's going to peak. <laughs> it's been peaking. Yeah, I know it has. <laughs> it's that kind of show. It is that kind of show. <laughs> as you're listening to episode 47 on Around the Diamond here on CKDJ 107.9. Of course, also listening on our podcast on iTunes and on SoundCloud, which you probably found on my Twitter feed. At Diamond underscore Dante and say, 96 yeah. Nellis. <laughs> you better include one of their Is it 96 Nellis? <laughs> yeah. I want to give a shout out to my, uh, my my buddy Derek, Derek Simpson, who's also listening. Is he? Yeah, did a nice article about Around the Diamond. Okay. So, oh, yeah. I heard he did a, an article on you like as a as a person. Yeah, but he put Around the Diamond in there. Okay. He also talked about Chambers. So you're plugging uh, that yeah. and, and AD. He put a quote about me that... Uh, that said, uh, when Chambers comes on the show, he says stupid stuff, but then I just bring him down. <laughs> Former major leaguer, AD. So you know what? It's, it's I'm gonna. Tough. You know what? I I can't really bring the the expertise that Chambers does, but I'm gonna do my best. No, okay, I, Dante? I I enjoy having you on the show, Mike, because and I enjoy doing it. No, because I wish I could do it more every, often. I'll have to stop Adron, and then he'll kind of be like, he's like, well, I appreciate you stopping me because I was gonna keep going anyway. So I'm like, well, thanks. <laughs> Or or he'll interrupt or he'll interrupt like one time we were doing an interview and he interrupted Master Berti and he was like 
he's like, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I don't want to interrupt you, but I'm going to interrupt you right now. And like, and I'm looking at him like, you just did. He's like, I know I did. I'm going to do it. And like Masturbator was just laughing so hard. And his parents like called me and they're like, yo, that Adron's so funny. And I mean, that's why I like having him on the show. But unfortunately, uh, we should get him on the line actually he, sometime. He, he brings character. That's for sure. Yeah, we should do a show with Adron as the host, but he's, you know, on the phone uh, or like Skype him in or something like that. You could do that. I'm trying to figure that out. I don't know if you know... Um, uh, grassroots, the minor hockey show on TSN 1200. Yeah. Uh, Greg Kennedy and Richard Burkison do it, but Burkison is in Toronto now. He moved. Oh, really? But he still does the show oh. every week in an Ottawa radio station from Toronto. Anyway, that's a bit of a tangent, but I just wanted to say it's doable. You could do it even yeah. if Chambers is in Florida. Of course, later on, let's just to introduce the show. Later on, we're going to talk with Sportsnet's author, Tawab Steve, as he will join us to talk about the Blue Jays' offseason, the signing of Jose Bautista and J.P. Howell, plus the offseason needs uh, going into spring training for the Toronto Blue Jays. And he's also going to talk about Roy Halladay being inducted into the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame. But Mike Nellis has another man that should be inducted into the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame that actually you and Tao talked about as well. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll we'll let you guys hear the interview and 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 hear who that person is. So I won't I won't give too much away. It. But it's uh, well. Do you want me to say it? No, no, I I wasn't gonna say it. So a champion staff. That's it. Well, that pretty much gives it away. Anyway, okay. Yes, somebody who is part of the champion staff should be inducted. An Ottawa connection. Yeah, David Gourlay into the Canadian Baseball it's Hall. David of David Gourlay. It's not David Gourlay. <laughs> Maybe. Hey, who knows? A couple of years. Who knows oh, yeah, what David Gourlay is gonna do? Might be able to head into the. Uh, uh, Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame. Later on, we're also going to be joined with uh, <laughs> Can-Am League insider, Brett Lufner. The insider himself. He's going to talk about um, the biggest news in the Can-Am League. I want to focus on uh, how a lot of players have been picked up this season. And it seems like it's been yeah. a, a real high for the Can-Am League. I'm going to ask Brett about that because uh, he's been around the whole league. I'm not saying that we haven't, but Brett's been around the game for a long time and he knows a lot about the independent leagues. And, you know, uh, he worked with these guys. You know, Jesse Beal's a guy that got picked up as well. Yeah, Beal, a former minor, uh, minors pitcher. Of course, uh, Brett Luthner, the voice of the Sussex County Miners. So uh, he'll bring some expertise on that and a couple other subjects. And, yeah, you mentioned he's been around for a long time. He used to call Newark Bears games back in the day uh, when the Bears were around in the early 2010s so uh yeah brett with a lot of experience so oh so he wasn't around when the rapids were here he may have been we'll have to ask him that, that's something to ask him in the well, interview, what's that team i watched a documentary the other day nausea not nashua nashua the pride the pride yeah yeah good they, team eh? they won in 2007 i believe it was yeah. the year before the rapids were uh were, were put into the uh in, into the can-am league for 2008 that was a big weren't conversation. they in the atlantic league the pride yeah potentially I couldn't tell you right off the top of my but head. But did you but know that the, the owner of the the Pride was actually a, he's from Montreal? Oh, really? Yeah, he's well, Canadian. I watched a documentary the other day on YouTube. Well, I suggest. Listen. I think his his I think his next step. You know what it is? If he's from Montreal, you got to bring a team to Montreal. Exactly. Well, I mean, it's really not that hard. Nashua is, it? is no longer in a team anymore. No, they uh, they folded and are currently a collegiate right. summer league market in the uh, Futures Collegiate League, which is um, a league kind of in the in the Northeast in New England, and the Nashua Silver Knights play where the Pride used to. Well, uh, so just, just on that note, um, I watched a lot of documentaries this week. Playing for peanuts was probably oh. one of the best. Can we? Can about, we play? Okay, so if you if you, you want <laughs> if you want to know about independent baseball, <laughs> if you want to know about professional baseball, 
you go watch Playing With Peanuts because you will laugh. You There's gotta, 10 episodes. They're only 20 minutes each episode. I'm telling you, though, you can't watch this at work. No. You really can't watch this at work because it is uncensored. I wish we could play a clip of Wally Backman, the manager of the South Georgia Peanuts, getting thrown out of a game, but we can't do it because CKDJ would get taken off air if we played that. That's how bad it is. You really don't want to listen to this in an area where you it's can't. So, okay, so but. a couple of things that I want to note from watching that documentary. That team won the championship, and the, none of the players got their rings. That's how cheap the league was. Their championship ring. That's well into the series, though. You got to start early, and uh, you know that's that, that, that's the the bottom of the barrel when it comes to independent leagues. The South Coast League, um, it's a league that unfortunately only lasted for one season in a market that you know the South. They started Coast, off with eight teams, but three teams folded in the middle of the season. Like, how bad is that? Well, it is. Listen, it happens. Okay, there's the Frontier League has had teams fold in the middle of the season too, and 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 they're a legitimate league. So like sometimes it just comes down to how the franchises are won. The South Coast League did it a little differently. They the league ran every single team, but uh, I'm not gonna um, I'm not gonna let. Pardon me, I'm not going to form the opinion of the listener. They can go do that themselves by watching Playing for Peanuts. It's uh, it's good and on it kind of lays everything out for you on YouTube. Just Google it and you know make sure your headphones are in. <laughs> yeah, well, I watched it on the TV, but uh, pr- pretty uh, pretty good episodes. Speaking about professional baseball and some scandals going on that uh, Playing for Peanuts had to... Uh, a big deal with back when they were a team in 2007. A deal? How about some? <laughs> Plural. What do you mean some? Well, there was a lot of yeah, scandals. Yeah, there, was, there was, was a lot of scandals. In there. <laughs> yeah, you know what the worst part? Well, I'm just going to say this before we wrap this subject up and move on to the next one. They made their beat reporter pay for tickets to get into the freaking stadium. That would piss me off. If someone said, you got to pay to cover our team... Oh, Mike, I'm telling you, I'd, I'd lose it. Well, yeah, I mean, look. Like, okay. And they showed the video. He's paying, man. He's paying 15 bucks to get in the damn game. And they wouldn't let him sit in the press box. He had to sit in the stands. Well, did they have a media pass? Yes. They, they took it away. And Wally Backman's like, well, he's been with us all year. He shouldn't. They shouldn't take <laughs> it away from him. It was in, like, in the last episode. It was so funny. Oh, okay. You, you know what? I've only watched, I think, the first four or five episodes of the show, so I couldn't tell you. But, what? Uh, that's, uh, I don't know. Well, who do, well, what's the what's the problem? Is there, um, you know, is maybe, maybe the beat reporter said something stupid about the team. Oh, you know, they should fold. They're embarrassing. And, uh, you know, they didn't want him in the stadium anymore. No. But that's no good. That's, you don't want to do that. Albany, Georgia is a small town. Word gets around. You can't. Can't uh, can't be banning guys. And, and from guess the what? They don't have like a team that. anymore. They don't. Georgia doesn't have a team. Well, yeah, no, and and, and that's just uh, I don't know. Didn't the Rome uh, the Mudcats fold? Did no, well, not the Mudcats. That's Carolina. Oh, but they they might move too. That's another thing. The Brewers uh, are apparently, according to no, the uh, Mudcats were with the Braves, dude. They were. Oh, they were. Now they're the Brewers affiliate, and apparently the Brewers are looking at buying up the Carolina Mudcats from the current ownership group. And if they did. You know, odds are usually when teams buy their 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 minor league affiliates, they move them so that they're closer to the team. So yeah. I I would expect that to happen to Carolina. Hopefully not, because that's a nice little ballpark down in Zebulon. But just moving on from that subject, Major League Baseball has ruled that the St. Louis Cardinals have to hand over their top two draft draft picks in the 2017 uh, MLB uh, draft this June, and wow. the Astros are also going to get two million dollars uh, from the Cardinals. After their one of their head scouts, Chris Correa, who is the team's former uh, director of scouting, was found guilty of hacking into the Astros player database. And 
you know, it's, it's a big deal. And, you yeah. know, Correa also banned from all of baseball and is being sentenced to four years in federal prison and is fined uh, just over $300,000. The Cardinals lose their 56th and 75th overall selections uh, in the draft. Plus, they don't have their first round pick due to the signing of Dexter Fowler. The Astros uh, say that they're using the money to find a starting pitcher, but let's just backtrack a little bit. Just the whole thing of the Cardinals losing their first overall, uh, their their three picks in the draft. Their yeah. top 100 picks is going to hurt them. Look, you can't do that. You really can't do that if you're the St. Louis Cardinals. And, you know, who knows how long this has been happening for, right? This is the thing. They get caught for it now, but, you know, um, as technology gets more and more um, advanced, you know, it, it, these things are going to happen. People are going to try to get around but, their system but this, and get into other players' databases Car- and try to gain that upper hand that they need. Now, you can't do it. I'm not justifying but it in any way. But why do you need to do it? Look at the internet, Jesus. Well, who knows what they were, what kind of information he was accessing. Maybe it was information on the draft and who they were going to draft and that kind of thing. Because, yeah. you know, the Cardinals and Astros, of course, they're you know not in the same league anymore after the Astros moved to the uh, American League. But, you know, maybe they're... Maybe they're uh, they're competing for the same kind of people, you know. And and, uh, and Jeff Luth now, who was the former Cardinals general manager, moved over to the Astros to be their general manager, and so that had a little bit of a tie in there because Correa had access to Luth now, who is the owner. Uh, sorry, the uh, general manager of the Astros. You know, kind of information he had access to his email, which kind of helped him to get into it. But I mean, even from you can't t- do it. You, you're 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 going to jail for this because you're a criminal. You can't do it. You really can't. So. You know what? It's it's not something that 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 anybody um, is going to condone at all. But at the same time, it's going to happen more and more. But now. guess how many times he hacked in? It, it's forty eight times. Well, Mike. It, yeah, okay. So it's going to happen more and more often now because of the of of the uh, the, the technology that's available to these teams. It's something uh, is easily going to be able to blow up to this proportion again because people are going to look at something a new technology is going to come out they're going to say hey you know maybe i can get through into this database without being tracked or something like that and it's not going to come out people want to win okay when you're in the majors it's not about something else it's about winning so it is it is about winning so at, at this point you're going to do anything you possibly can to get the upper hand i honestly i'd like to say that this prison sentence is going to deter people from doing this in the future but i can't say that you know like it it Potentially could happen again. And just to wrap things up on that topic, as we are going to be talking with Tao Steve in our next segment, um, the Cardinals lose their 56th and 75th overall selections. They go out and sign Dexter Fowler so they don't have to give up the first round pick uh, to the uh, Houston Astros. But now the Astros say, hey, we, we got enough prospects to trade out for starting pitching. We're going to use what, what is being given to us by the Cardinals to go and find starting pitching. And, and that's what they want to do. Well, it's the smart thing to do. You know, why would you why would you take this money and say, okay, you know, let's just put it in the bank and let it sit there? No, that's money that we can use on our market. And baseball is a sport that does not have a salary cap, so any money you can get is exactly what you need to get better. So, yes, that's a smart move. I'm glad that the well, Astros no, the, the, have they, the brains they know, to do that. They know that they can draft two high players in the second or even late first, second round with the two picks that they're getting from the Cardinals, use that for two, you know, maybe pitchers that they want to give up and then yeah. look into their prospect pool and say, okay, we already have our major league roster set. We're going to give up these few prospects and get like a Jose Quintana from the White Sox. I mean, that's just an example, right? Mm-hmm. 
And, and that's something that they can do. It's wheeling and dealing. Wheeling and dealing as we're going to wrap up this segment. Episode 47 here on CKDJ 107.9. If you're listening on radio, check out our podcast on iTunes and on SoundCloud. Tao Steve will join us up next to continue this dis- discussion about the Houston Astros and uh, St. Louis Cardinals scandal. Then after that, we're going to be talking with Brett Luthner, our Can-Am League insta- insider, as we wrap up the whole show. You're listening to episode 47 Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9. We'll be back in a few Hey guys, Shortstop Junior Rojo with the Rock and Boulders. You're listening to Around the Diamond on CKDJ 1079. Welcome back to episode 47 of Around the Diamond here on CKDJ 1079. I'm your host, Diamond Dante. Alongside me is our co host, Michael Nellis, who has joined us back here in studio. Of course, we're very happy to be joined over the phone by Sportsnet's author, Tao Steve. Tao, welcome back to the show. Hey, great to be back. And of course, in our last segment, we talked about the, the huge scandal going on between the St. Louis Cardinals and Astros hacking story. So, uh, Tao, just to kind of stay on that topic, what is your whole take on the whole situation? Of course, uh, the Cardinals are going to have to give up $2 million and two of their top picks to the Astros because one of their head scouting uh, directors actually went out and hacked into the Astros system. Yeah, I, I mean, my, my sense was that I felt like it was a little uh, light in terms of... Uh, uh, of what they would have to give up um you know part of that is happenstance just because they ended up uh signing the free agent where they they weren't giving up their uh what could have been their top pick uh they're giving up what's turned out to be their top pick but um you know i i I, it's hard to say whether or not if this is uh uh, an isolated uh incident but uh hopefully this is something that will at the very least uh dissuade people from uh, some of the more, I think, uh, nefarious ways of, of getting intel uh, from uh, from other teams. So, uh, you know, I, it might have been a little light, but uh, certainly in terms of on the individual level, the fact that the uh, individual was uh, was banned from baseball, um, uh, I think that's something that, uh, at least in terms of that sort of decision-making, uh, will hopefully give people pause before they they try to do something like this well for four years in prison is also a pretty big sentence uh, you know even being banned from baseball is also another punishment he's also going to get three hundred thousand dollars in uh, uh in a fine on that note and just to kind of stay on that topic before we move on to some uh, blue jays discussion um you're absolutely right about that you you said that they had to go out and get a top player and they signed dexter fowler which means they have to give up their top 15 uh pick in the draft and i think they did that the reason was, Tao, because they knew that they were going to have to give up two other picks in the draft. So you feel like, you know, like you said earlier, it is a little bit light because they went out and signed Dexter Fowler, and now they don't have to give up that first uh, that first round pick. Yeah, yeah, and 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 maybe they they felt like this was coming. Maybe they had a feeling as though the, uh, the punishment was going to be the top pick, and so. Um, you know, if that's the case, then I guess uh, I guess that created a little bit of extra incentive for them to push in harder on uh, Dexter Fowler. And 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 uh, as someone who was really hoping to see Dexter Fowler in Toronto, p- perhaps maybe uh, that's part of the reason why they got him and and uh, the Blue Jays didn't. 
Back with uh, Sportsnet author Tao of Steve. And uh, Tao, I guess we'll shift gears now and talk about Roy Halladay, who is uh, one of the recent inductees into the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame. Um, obviously one of the best Blue Jays pitchers of all time, if not the best. That's another whole debate, though. Um, what, what do you think of, uh, of the timing of this in- induction and, and, and Roy Halladay getting into the Hall of Fame here in Canada? Well, I, it's uh, it's great. Uh, I think uh, you know, it, it certainly. Um, I don't think there was any doubt that uh, yeah. Doc would end up getting into the Canadian Hall of Fame. Um, uh, you know, it's it's even I guess sort of nice that they got their shot at him first before uh, he had to go onto the ballot. And you know, with the way that the ballots have been working lately really hard to say uh, what sort of support he's going to have. Is he going to have an immediate push or is he going to have to do the thing that a few players have had to do, which is to kind of uh, linger on the ballot for five years before they're able to get, um, uh, you know, get enough uh, support. So, you know, uh, happy to see him honored. He certainly ranks uh, I think uh, as probably the best uh, pitcher that the Blue Jays have ever had, and that comes from someone who, who is carrying around uh, uh, a pen name like the one that I have, uh, yeah. you know. So I, <laughs> to say that, but um, you know, I great great to see him honored, and uh, and even really intriguing the the uh, discussions about him wanting to get back into baseball. I, I think that's. Uh, that's really intriguing and would uh, be very interested to see if the Blue Jays are are looking to take him up on that. Now, you talked about him trying to get back into baseball. I did read an article on Sportsnet.ca. I think it was by Ben Nicholson-Smith, and he had said that you know Roy Halladay is trying to get into a, more of a front office role. Do you feel like that might be a, a chance with the Blue Jays at all? Um, well, you know, it, it'll be interesting. I mean, Roy wasn't one of their guys, and... Uh, and they uh, have, I think, uh, a front office right now that's comprised kind of of uh, half of the old guard and half of the new guard. And I guess you just wonder about where Doc uh, fits uh, with that. I mean, you know, this is a guy who was, uh, uh, I'm stretching back here, I think he was a Gillick draft pick, uh, uh, you know, was signed to an extension by Ricciardi. Um you know, I, I just don't know how much tie he would have with uh, with the front office if that were the sort of role that he wanted. Having said that, he he was a a really fiercely intelligent uh, baseball player, and uh, and I think that um, that you know rather than having him uh, act as a, a sort of, uh, a pitching coach or a minor league instructor or what have you that, you know, it, it could very well be that, that the front office is maybe a better, uh, is a, maybe a better fit for him. If that's what he wants, then, you know, I don't think that there's a lot of sense in putting him, you know, putting him into uniforms and having him hang around the backfields and in Dunedin. But, uh, you know, uh, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. And, and if you just look at the fact that I think that um, uh, that Pat Gillick still has um, some sort of ceremonial role, I believe, in, uh, uh, with the Phillies. I'm pretty sure I saw him last year in Clearwater. Yep. Um, uh, you know, I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if, uh, if somehow uh, Doc ended up uh, within their structure. 
Sticking with the topic of the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame, uh, <laughs> I, I wanted I wanted to ask you about something, Tal, because I was talking to, to Dante about this before we started recording. Um, one person that I personally think should already be in the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame that's um, not, and he might get in in the future. It's the um, the commissioner of the Can-Am League and the owner of the Ottawa Champions, Miles Wolf. He's brought a team to Ottawa twice. He's brought a team to Quebec City, and in all of the independent leagues that he's that he's uh, he's founded, each of them have either had an expansion by one team or multiple teams into Canada. So he's done a lot for Canadian baseball. Um, I just wanted to get your your take on this with your expertise. Do you think that uh, Miles, as a builder or in that kind of category, is somebody who is a good fit for the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame down the road? Yeah, you know, Mike, I think you make a really strong case, and it's one that I, I wouldn't have necessarily thought of, but, but for sure, um, you know, getting professional baseball back into Canadian cities, uh, I think, is it's really vital to the growth of it. And, and even if you want to look, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of emphasis at times on, on uh, looking at the baseball Canada system and, and through the, uh, uh, you know, organized um, minor baseball to, to, to honor some of those folks. But uh, when you, when you are at a, an Ottawa champions game, I'm sure if you're at a 12 or or a, um, a uh, Quebec uh, game or, or, or what have you, mm-hmm. um, you know, you, you do see, uh, you see kids coming out. It's important for them to, to have uh, those role models in the city. And, and so on that level, uh, I think definitely uh, there's a really strong case for miles. And, and um, so de- a, a great point by you. And, and, and I think um, especially, I, I think it's 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 probably a point that's, or or an argument that's just going to grow from here, especially because mm-hmm. I think that some of those Canadian franchises are are are, uh, are are doing really well within the context that they need to. Um, you know, uh, you're not necessarily going to get ten thousand a game in Ottawa for the champions, but but you can do really well getting uh, somewhere between two and three thousand, and and having a compelling product and. And, uh, and, you know, certainly uh, bringing a championship here to Ottawa. So, no, I, I think a real strong case, and, and hopefully somebody takes that up. Sportsnet's Taub Steve is joining us here on Around the Diamond. We just talked about uh, Roy Halladay being inducted into the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame. Mike Nellis brought up the point of inducting uh, Ottawa champions owner and the commissioner of the Can-Am League, Miles Wolf, uh, to the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame. And also, uh, Miles Wolf brought a team to Winnipeg, which was uh, one of the first Canadian teams uh, to join independent ball back uh, in the 90s. I think it was 93 when Hal Lanier was the manager. But just to go back to that last subject with uh, Roy Halladay, uh, just to kind of wrap up that, that subject, Tao, um, I, since I was a little kid, I always thought that Roy Halladay was destined for the, the, you know, the Hall of Fame, the real Hall of Fame, not the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame. And, and look, from looking at his number, he's a two-time Cy Young Award winner. He has 200 wins, and he's been a, you know, an all-star pretty much in all of his seasons that he pitched in the major leagues. He only retired at 36. He could have played till you know, maybe 39 or 40 based off the way he treated his body and the type of pitcher that he was. Do you feel that when you know, his name comes up on the ballot, he will be a you know, first ballot Hall of Famer in Roy Halladay? Uh, I... I, I suspect that he won't be a first uh, first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, I think that there's still sort of the lingering notion of, of some of the old uh, 
uh, ideas of what constitutes a Hall of Famer. And so, you know, the fact that he's so far beneath 300 wins um, uh, for some of the old guard, I think, is going to be a problem. Um, but and it has seemed as though pitchers have had a had until recently had a hard time uh, getting in uh, to the Hall of Fame. And, and so, you know, I, I, I have a sense that he will probably come in above 50 percent of the vote, maybe above 60 percent. But I, I think we'll really get a better sense of the chatter closer to the time. Uh, to my mind, he's he is indisputably uh, a Hall of Famer. Um, I like Bill James had a had sort of a, a summation of what a Hall of Famer should be. And it's someone who is amongst the elite, the elite at his position for the majority of his career. And I think that that uh, absolutely describes uh, Roy Halladay. Um, I think that uh, save for um, uh, an early year in his uh, development and, and I think an injury year towards the end, uh, he was always amongst uh, the top 10 starting pitchers in baseball. Um, uh, and, and, and even uh, I think the, the story that Halliday tells about the perseverance and the guy who had to go back all the way to single A and to completely uh, rework his, his delivery. And, you know, that's, uh, that's an incredible story and one that deserves to be told uh, uh, within the Hall of Fame. Sportsnet's Taub Steve will stay on the line going into our third segment on Around the Diamond here on CKDJ 1079. And we're going to talk about the Toronto Blue Jays' bullpen needs and as well as uh, their middle infield depth. That's coming up next on Around the Diamond here on CKDJ 1079. Hey, this is Milwaukee Brewers Art Charles, and you're listening to Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9. Okay, so switching to uh, a topic that you wrote about recently on sportsnet.ca, it's the Blue Jays' uh, middle infield depth and um, how that is a, a potential question for 2017. So the projected or the projected middle infield backups at this point uh, behind Travis and Tulo are Darwin Barney and Ryan Goins. So what are your thoughts on those two players as backups? Well, I like Darwin Bar- Barney a lot. I, I think that uh, that he's definitely uh, a guy who, if you had to have him in the lineup for a few weeks at a time or even a month or more, you know, I, I'd be happy to have him in as sort of an eight, nine hitter who is really reliable with the glove. I don't think that he necessarily has the arm for shortstop. And so if uh, you needed to have him in for a long period at shortstop, uh, I, I think that you might uh, uh, think twice about that. Um, uh, as far as Ryan Goins goes, you know, I, I was someone who was a huge uh, booster of Ryan Goins when he first got to the big leagues. But um, just his hitting, I think, is the thing that uh, he, he just I don't think will ever be much more than about a 600 OPS uh, hitter. He'll be a below yeah. average hitter. Yeah. And, and the other thing, frankly, is that he is on the bubble and the Blue Jays have a lot of players that they're going to have to figure out 
what they do with them right around that, that you know, the, the end of the bench. And, and you know, is it uh, Ezekiel Carrera or Dalton Pompey or uh, Justin Smoke or Ryan Goins, who ends up sticking around? And uh, Goins has, uh, I think, still enough value to some team. So, you know, you could see him ending up uh, in a place like San Diego is the one that just keeps popping into my head. It's <laughs> like a place where he could go and, and you know, be a, a left-handed bat and a, a guy who can probably, he could probably play uh, just about anywhere on the diamond at this point. So, um so I, I guess that's what my concern is. They're going to have to figure out what they do with Ryan Goins, and and he doesn't make things easier by the fact that uh, his uh, his hitting um, I think is sort of languished, and and he's taken steps backwards uh, instead of steps forwards in recent years. And then it gets, uh, I, you know, as I noted in the article, it gets really thin after that. Um, so if they lose Goins, and then their next their next guy up is. You know, uh, um, Yusmara Petit, or um, or sorry, I, I think I have the wrong Petit there, but uh, um, uh, but uh, him or, or or Jonathan Diaz, you know, it's it very much you know minor league veteran depth, but not something that if um, if you lost either Tulo or or Travis for any amount of time that you'd feel comfortable in your with in your lineup. Sportsnet's Taub Steve is joining us here on Around the Diamond on CKDJ 1079. Uh, let's move over to another article that you uh, you wrote just two weeks ago. It was right after the signing of Jose Bautista. Now, now, as far as you're concerned, do you feel that this is the right move for the Jays? And will this uh, be a better finish with the team, which was actually your headline in the article? Yeah, I mean, I you know, I, I think so. I, and it's it's funny because it just for whatever reason maybe it's the loss in the playoffs and it just it felt sort of anticlimactic and in some ways and and I was at that game in in Toronto and and you know it, I know that a lot of fans actually stayed for as long as they could to, uh, you know not to be there for the 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 Cleveland celebration on the field but to hope to see Jose and and Edwin pop back out of the the dugout um so you know, I, I I also too think that uh, last year was an odd year for Jose. I mean, he was injured, but it wasn't the sort of, you know, him breaking down injuries. That uh, they were kind of uh, fluky uh, injuries. That uh, turf toe one, especially, um, uh, was an odd one. And so, uh, I would like to see him. Uh, Frankly, I would I would like to see Jose play in Toronto for a couple of years, and I think he could be still a pretty valuable piece, either you know uh, evolving into a first baseman DH role uh, um, if uh, if he still can hit, and I think he can. Um, but uh, you know, I, I I don't think I was ready to say uh, goodbye to yeah. to Jose uh, as much as I had talked myself into the fact that I figured he would be somewhere else and and to be honest he was the best thing on the market at that point and so you know why not bring back a guy who knows the city and knows the club and knows mm -hmm. the uh the teammates 
Talking with Sportsnet's Tau of Steve here on Around the Diamond, Mike Nellis, Dante DeCarrier, Diamond Dante with you. Um, so switching, primarily going to talk about the bullpen until and the um, the pitching staff until the the uh, the end of the interview, Tau. And um, we'll start with the J.P. Howell signing. Uh, was this something that you saw coming? No, not at all. In fact, I was trying to when I saw the name pop up. Uh, I, I don't think I even really realized that Howell was on the market. And, yeah. you know, you, you look at the list and I think um, the Jerry Blevins and, and uh, uh, Jerry Blevins and uh, uh, Boone Logan were the two that just kept getting me- mentioned. Um, and I, I was racking my brains to think if I'd ever heard Howell's name came up when I saw it come up. I thought that's a really that's a a, a really great signing. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I think sneaky. I think he he actually uh, had a little bit of a fluky bad year last year with some BABIP uh, issues, and you know the 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 sample size for any situational reliever is always kind of weird. Where they have a bad week, then all of a sudden it looks like they had a bad season. <laughs> so. So, you know, he, he had the ERA over four, but if you look at the three or four years previous, he was, you know, always uh, uh, had a had a good ERA and, and I think uh, good peripherals. And, I mean, he's a bit of a junk baller. He's a bit of he, – yeah. he throws a, a, a curveball almost as much as he throws a fastball. Um, but, you know, I think uh, uh, to get left-handed hitters out, and if that's going to be his role, then um, – you know, I think uh, he's. I think he's a. He could be a very good signing for the Blue Jays, and you know, I, I think a bit of a deal as compared to um, what we are seeing some of the other uh, players get. Well, of course, it, you know the report was that Boone Logan and Jeremy Blevins were looking for two years at ten million. That's five million per season. The Blue Jays get a big deal here with J.P. Howell, who has experience in the AL East. He pitched for Tampa Bay for a long period of his career before moving over uh, to, I believe, the National League, if I'm not right about that, and then uh, to the Dodgers. I th- um, but just still talking about the bullpen, there's been a lot of rumors going around that the Blue Jays are, are targeting uh, closer David Robertson uh, from the Chicago White Sox. Now, of course, the, the White Sox are uh, retooling their roster, and of course, they could probably use a lot of the prospects uh, that the Jays have in their system. But do you feel that the Jays are willing to give up you know, the amount of prospects for a closer like Robertson? And then do you think Robertson would want to come over and be a setup man behind Osuna? Uh, well, I don't... Uh, I guess there's a lot to unpack there. I don't think that the Blue Jays want to give up uh, a lot in terms of uh, prospects. Uh, now, maybe the fact that uh, that Chicago has managed to get such a good haul uh, <laughs> thus far um, uh, will mean that they're not as uh, pressed to get the absolute uh, top of the uh, of the farm system, and maybe the Blue Jays can find a way to to pick out a, a few guys. But you know. Uh, whenever you're talking about prospects, think about guys that you would like to have, and then move about three uh, slots up on the on the prospect ranking list, and and see who's there because that's probably who they're going to give up. Um, you know, I I, I think that uh, Robertson makes sense uh, uh, both as insurance on in, uh, Osuna, uh, also potentially to allow John Gibbons to manage the bullpen a little bit differently. And I know everyone says that they're not going to manage bullpens like they did in the playoffs last year. But uh, to be honest, I, I, I would like to see more of that. And I think that Gibby uh, could potentially be the sort of manager who would come out with a, 
with uh, David Robertson in the sixth inning in a tight game or um, shift back and forth between he and Osuna um, uh, in managing the bullpen. So having another big arm back there would definitely help and might even help to, to set up uh, Joe Biagini, supposing they need to use him as, uh, as uh, starting depth uh, at some point. So, I mean, you know, the, 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 the value of any deal, I guess, really depends on what goes the other way. And, and I don't see the Blue Jays wanting to empty out the farm system, but if they are able and willing to eat the contract and not have to give much back uh, just to take that money off Chicago's books, then, then I, you know, I, I think I'd be fine with it. Last thing, Tal, uh, is the recent signing for behind the plate, uh, the, um, uh, the the signing of Jared Saltalamacchia. And uh, I, I know you mentioned that you didn't see J.P. Howell's signing coming at all. I, I, I mean, I don't know, maybe I was just too new to the whole situation, but I really got caught off guard by Jared Saltalamacchia getting signed as well. Um, do you think he's the backup for this coming season? It's another switch hitter for the uh, for the Blue Jays lineup as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that uh, I, I think that he he is the um, the 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 backup. Um, you know, just I mean, we'll see what happens in spring training. I, I don't think that uh, he he is absolutely the backup, but I think given you know the other options that they have right at the moment, there's no one who I think has the the track record that he has, and and um, I. I you make a good point about him being a, a switch hitter uh, and someone who I think that uh, they can get a little variety into their lineup um, uh, uh, when they need to, to break up uh, all the right-handedness at times. Uh, and he's a guy who his defensive metrics don't look good, but at the same time, he's someone who can run into, you know, 10 or 12 or, or 20 fastballs a year. And, and it's, it's frankly something that you didn't see a lot of uh, with Josh Tolley and, and, you know, not to dump on Josh, Josh Tolley, but I'm not sure if he had played another 20 years in the majors, if he would hit 12 home runs. So, <laughs> uh, um, so anyways, I, 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 I like, <laughs> I, I like the, uh, I like the signing, I think. And, and I even sort of have a, a vague hope that potentially, Working with Russell Martin uh, will help him a little bit in developing some of the uh, uh, some of the other aspects of his catching game. And again, if Martin were to go down for a, any amount of time, uh, I don't think that uh, I don't think that having Saltzlamakia as a full timer for a few weeks necessarily uh, uh, hurts the team as uh, as much as maybe some of the other options that were out there. Well, Saltzlamakia and. Uh... Russell Martin are around the same age, and Saltalamacchia has a lot of power. He was a really good catcher with the Red Sox when they won the World Series back in uh, 2013, and he's going to bring a, a veteran presence uh, to the team that's going to wrap up this. In that was Sportsnet's Taub Steve joining us here on Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9, and uh, pretty much like a, an encyclopedia baseball mic. That's a pretty good one. I, yeah. you know, you know, I, I always like talking to Tal because, yeah, you know, like I just said, it's, it's, it's almost as if you can just give him a topic and say, okay, JP Howell, go, yeah, and he'll go for like ten minutes. Yeah, it's he, awesome. I, yeah, I love he, talking he knows, to these he, guys. He they, knows his stuff. They, they know the game and they know how to talk about it. It's fantastic.
And of course, you can find our podcast on iTunes and on SoundCloud by typing in Around the Diamond as we're going to wrap up this segment as we're going to be joined with our Can-Am League insider, Brett Luthner. <laughs> Well, I join us in our know, next I, segment. Are we are we are we serious about uh, Can-Am Insider? I think I could tell you just about as much, but well, we are gonna know. we're gonna be breaking some news. The first guys to break it. Okay. So we're gonna be talking with Brett Lufner coming up next, and I don't want to spoil it, but let's just say we're gonna release who are the two international teams that are gonna be coming to Ottawa, Mike. How does that sound? Sounds pretty good, but uh, I don't know. There's that press conference coming up too, or at least that happened. Uh, that uh, is going to be uh, showing that as well. So we're, we're going to be... Yeah, but we're uh, the first ones to talk about We're, we're going to be the first ones to talk about it. Give our takes. It's going to be great. So that's coming up next. Can-Am League insider Brett Lufner from the Sussex County Miners will join us next on Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9. This is Quebec Capitals third baseman and pitcher Lachlan Fontaine from Vancouver, and you're listening to Around the Diamond with Diamond Dante on TKDJ 107.9. Welcome back to episode 47 of Around the Diamond here on CKDJ 107.9. I'm your host, Diamond Dante. Joined with me to my right is Michael Nellis, who is our co-host for episode 47. It's been a long time. It hasn't came on since episode 40, of course, before we were talking with Sportsnet's Tao Steve about the Toronto Blue Jays offseason and, of course, Roy Halladay being inducted into the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame. We're going to bring on our Can-Am League insider, Brett Lufner. Welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me, Dante. How are you guys doing, both you and Michael? Oh, fantastic. It's been a, it's been a busy week, but it's always nice to, to come in here, and especially in our Can-Am segments. I really hey, enjoy these. Hey, hey Brett, we, we actually talked about you in our first segment, too. We talked about how you were around with the New York Bears and the uh, Nasha. Nasha, is that what it's called? No. Oh. No, not Nasha. <laughs> What's Nashua. it called? Yeah. Nashua? Nashua Pride. The Nashua yeah. Pride. And then the, uh, the American Defenders after right. that. The New uh, Hampshire American defenders. So, uh, so Brett, it was fun. so in our first segment we were talking about like uh, you know some of the, you know the independent leagues uh, back in the day. So you were around, I believe. So the, when you were broadcasting New York Bears, you were around the Nasha Pride. Is that right? The Nashua Pride had just that well New Hampshire at that point had just disbanded when I joined on to the Bears in 2012. That said, I've I've seen the Nashua Pride play. A lot of times before Butch Hobson was the manager of that team. Um, There's a tremendous they, uh, Butch Hobson ejection video on YouTube, too. <laughs> Butch, Butch was known for his, uh, for his fiery personality. What about Wally bit. Backman? Um, no, but, but uh, no, the National Pride were around before then. I, I, I've seen independent baseball. When the Jackals first came around 20 years ago is when I first started watching independent baseball, so... Um, I have an appreciation for all of it. I, I remember the National Pride, a decent team. There's always a little bit of a hike up there, but uh, a decent team all the way through until their very end when they turned into New Hampshire and just finally fell off. Yeah, that was one of the things that me and Dante were just trying to think of was when did you start doing Bears games? Would you have done Ottawa Rapids games back in 2008? But obviously uh, you were... A little late to the no. party on that one. Yeah, you said 2007 he was doing Bears no. games. No, I didn't say that. I said that the Pride won the championship in 2007. Oh. That was what I said. 
Anyways, anyway, there's, there's a lot of good uh, videos on YouTube that you should watch about independent baseball. You will laugh and you will understand uh, professional baseball a little bit better of, as we are joined with Can-Am League insider Brett Luthner, who is the voice of the Sussex County Miners. I want to move over to the Miners. In this offseason, let's start off with uh, Beal being picked up by the Phillies. Did you see this coming at all, Brett? Well, we saw the, the move for Beal coming for a while now with the Miners. Um, first time we saw him really is, is when we got the inklings that he had some affiliated ball talent. Uh, it's really good to see him get signed by Philadelphia, and now he reports to the Red and Fighting Phils in Eastern League double-A ball. Yep. Uh, Mid-90s fastball, got some good break to his off-speed pitches. So, yeah, we saw it. It was going to be a matter of time, and you know, we're all, all of us with the minors are happy that, that Fields' uh, contract got picked up by the Phils. It seems like there's been a, a wealth of players signing with organizations this offseason, and specifically not from New Jersey. There was obviously Michael O'Neill got picked up uh, from the Jackals uh, last year or at the end of the year, and Art Charles as well. But um, a couple of years ago, I found that the Jackals were the only organization that was consistently churning out eventual prospect, uh, prospects um, into the minor league system, minus, of course, uh, Cardulo with the Rockies, but um, this offseason it's been a lot different. And recently, Jordan Mills and Max Tissenbaum, two Quebec Capitals, uh, got picked up. Mills to the Nationals and Tissenbaum to the Rockies. Do you think that these teams are, are, are finally, like the MLB teams? I, I mean, are really finally starting to to see the wealth, the talent in the Can-Am League? Brett, where are you? Are you in a freaking tornado right now? Oh my God. Yes, I'm in a car right now, Dante. <laughs> I think what we're seeing a lot of is guys in the Can-Am League have these eye-popping numbers, whether it be you know pitch, pitch speed or average or ERAs or WHIP or whatever the case may be. They get these eye-popping numbers, and when you get that, then scouts come out, they check out the talent, and like, hey, you know what, this guy is pretty good. Our Charles had ridiculous numbers. Yeah. Jordan Mills had ridiculous numbers. So I think that's the main contribution to it, that the scouts aren't just looking at Atlantic League anymore. They look at these other independent leagues when they see guys with these eye-popping numbers. Now, Brett, it seems like that, you know, scouts are looking at other leagues. We, I, I mean, it's it's weird that I saw guys from, you know, the Frontier League getting picked up by MLB organizations. And, you know, I always thought when I first started working in professional baseball in the Can-Am League that, it, you know, you, you went from the Frontier League to the Can-Am League, American Association, then you got signed or either out of the Can-Am League. It was out of those, you know, three leagues, American Association, Can-Am League, or the Atlantic League. But, but now we're seeing more scouts look at other leagues, like the Pecos League as well. Yeah, and, and really that's the case too. Also, even with the uh, the United Shore League, which is a new league that's kind of popped up in, in I believe it's in, in Utica, Michigan. That Pacific that is, Association And too. the Pacific Association. Those leagues, uh, which are relatively new, are starting to, to, to churn out some prospects. So it's good to see the... Uh, uh, the MLB organizations broadening their uh, their scope when it comes to looking at independent leagues. Brett, I want to move on now. We're talking to Brett Luthner, voice of the Sussex County Miners in the Can-Am League. Um, the Can-Am League on Friday made a big announcement coming out of Quebec City uh, regarding the international series this year. Of course, last year, the Shikoku Island League and Cuba sent teams to uh, Canada and the United States to play against Can-Am League teams in regular season games. 
We've found out now that Cuba is going to be coming back and uh, they're going to be joined this year by Korea. So uh, I just wanted to get your thoughts on uh, Korea joining uh, the Can-Am League for the uh, 2017 regular season. Well, that Korean team, the independent team in Korea, in South Korea, and uh, they've been playing lesser competition up until now. This will be their biggest competition to date. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what that Korean team brings in, in terms of ability. You know what you're getting out of the Cuban national team. Yeah. Uh, but I think, I think you're talking about fan bases that will want to see these teams, especially that Korean team is going to sell in, in, when they visit the Jackets and the Bulls, actually. Mm-hmm. And is there a particular reason for that? The, the, Cube, the, the Korean population in northern New Jersey and, and Rockland calls into that is just, it's a large amount. Right there, right on the border, Fort Lee, uh, Palisades Park, Leonia, that whole area, which is not too far. It's about a half hour drive from each stadium, if that, is a massive Cube, uh, Korean population. And so those fans are going to want to come out. I would imagine to see this Korean team play against Canem. Sussex County Miners Brett Lufner joined us here on Around the Diamond. We're talking about the Can-Am League and the International Series. Now, I feel like uh, the Cuban national team would be more of an attraction uh, to uh, bringing them back to play Can-Am League teams in the regular season. And a big reason to that is because that same roster that is participating in the World Baseball Classic on national TV will be playing you know, teams like your Sussex County Miners or in the Ottawa Champions as well. Well, you know, you know, I mean, look, the Cuban national team is a, that's a different beast in and of itself. So you can't, you know, you're going to get crowds for those games each and every night. You know, it's going to be a talented roster. You know, you're going to see good baseball. So that's, you know, what you're getting out of the Cuban national teams. And you just hope, you just hope, and I, and I say this half jokingly, but half serious, you just hope that the, that the team come, goes back home with the same amount of players as they came to, the, to North America. Yeah, and, and, and that's the risk with the Cuban national team is, well, the defections, right? And, and you know, whether yeah. if there's a, if there's a successful trip and, and they only lose one or two players to defection, you know, maybe they'll come back again. And this year they did, which is good to see. Uh, the last thing that I wanted to ask you about, uh, Brett, and it's just this continuity now. Cuba is here for the second season, um, but last year Shikoku Island came for the second straight year. You mentioned that the Korean team, this is going to be the biggest competition that they've faced so far. Uh, Shikoku Island, it was a similar situation two years ago in 2015. Everybody said that last year their team was a lot better. So in 2017 now, it seems that we're starting over with Korea. But if they get a rapport going with the Can-Am League and start to send teams, maybe they'll get better and better as, as the seasons go on. Quite possibly, and I think... Uh, what I do know is they held open tryouts to stock their team. About 70 guys came out to try out for the team. And yeah. what happened is, is there, I think the, the lure of playing in North America against the Can-Am League team might have brought them in some better talent. Because last year was a lot of, it was a mix of amateur and professional, old professional talent. And now I think they got better talent than this year. But we'll still have to see how they match up against Can-Am teams. 
Well, of course, uh, Brett, thank you so much for joining us here on Around the Diamond. It sounds like you're in the car right now traveling uh, to do what you do best, and that's call hockey games uh, as it is that type of season. We'll see you over in the baseball season, and thank you so much for coming on the show. Hey, uh, safe travels as well. Thanks very much, guys, and I'm sure we'll all be talking on and off air at various points on the course this week. That was Sussex County Miners broadcaster Brett Lufner joined us here on Around the Diamond on CKDJ 1079. Also, our Can-Am League insider talking about the International Series. It was a great talk with Brett, and we'll touch base with him uh, down the road again. He has a lot of knowledge on independent baseball, and it's always nice to uh, talk with Brett Lufner of the Sussex County Miners as we will uh, rejoin you after a quick commercial break. When we come back, Mike Nellis and I will touch on the free agent market. I'm, I'm not too happy with the way the free agent market has gone. The reason is that Chris Carter, who led the National League in home runs last year, has not signed with an MLB organization and will most likely take his talents to Japan. That's coming up next on Around the Diamond here on CKDJ 107.9. Hey, this is Edwin Jackson, and you're listening to Around the Diamond with Diamond Dante on CKDJ 107.9. Welcome back to episode 47 of Around the Diamond here on CKDJ 107.9. Before, we were talking with Can-Am League insider Brett Lufner, as Michael Nellis is still with us in studio to wrap up episode 47 of Around the Diamond. You better believe that I'm still here. I thought you were going to leave, too. (laughs) Well, no, I'm going to wait before I leave. So, right. so be, of course, uh, Team Cuba and Korea. Always nice to, That's to the get the international series. That's who's coming. It's who's coming. Uh, it's pretty exciting, you yeah. know. Again, I, uh, I'm i really interested in seeing what the Korean team is going to be able to bring to the Can-Am League. You know, it's, uh, it's not something that we've seen before. We obviously, we had the Asian team from Shikoku Island and the Japanese okay. uh, baseball circuit. They came through last year. That was really fun. You know what? It's it's an exciting brand of baseball, and uh, hopefully the Koreans will bring the same competition that the Japanese did. I'm pretty excited about that. I, I'm, I'm actually super really excited. excited about the Cuban team again. Mm-hmm. But uh, just to kind of go off that subject a little bit, I'm pissed off, Mike. Why are you pissed I'm, off? So, <laughs> as you probably know. Here we go. Here we I, go. I, this I, is the time you want to be listening. To end the show. <laughs> as you probably know, Michael, I like home runs. Mm-hmm. I like RBIs. I like strikeouts too. I don't. Care. I don't look at strikeouts. Oh, you don't. Strikeouts okay. Don't matter. Oh, okay. Listen, Mike Trout strikes out a lot, and you don't give him any freaking. Yeah, because he backs it up by being the best player in the AL. Doesn't matter. He's the best player in baseball. Yeah. But Chris Carter hit 41 home runs last year with the Milwaukee Brewers. Still on the free agent market, led the National League in home runs. He struck out over 200 times. Uh, in a season where he only played 140 games, and um, he hit 210, but he hit 41 home runs. He drove in 98 runs, 98 RBIs was uh, Chris Carter last season, and is not getting any bite from any teams, and now says he's going to take his talents over to Japan. Can you freaking believe it? How can a guy with 41 home runs go to Japan? For God's sakes, Mike, I'm, that's why I'm pissed. You can't know. Why? Well, okay, so I'm not justifying, okay? So when you 
Hit 41 home runs. You lead the league in home runs. Yeah, okay. It's like so, how long it took for freaking Mark Trumbull to get signed, for God's sake. I mean, like, who else? Who, what else does, does Chris Carter do, right? Like, he's a DH. Yeah. That hits bombs. He's a DH. So you can't do anything else, first of all. Like, Edwin Encarnacion, firstly, is a DH, yeah, but he can play first base. He can, he's like, you can play third base. Yeah, but Carter like, played first you know, base with the Brewers last year. Okay, so you can place first base yes, if you're Chris Carter. Yes, but he's not a fielder. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying, why? Like Edwin, for example. Like I'm telling you that Edwin is going to be a, a sought-after player, too, because he can field. Everybody says, oh, you know, Edwin, uh, he hits. He's not that athletic. Don't don't give me that. He's athletic. He's a guy that... that he works that, out a lot. He works out a lot, and he's a good fielder. Yeah. He's not a he's not a bad fielder like people say that he is. If you you're always going to look for a trade-off a little bit. And, and, and in the why. case of Chris Carter, the trade-off that you're taking is do you want to give up 200 home or strikeouts in a year with one player uh in exchange for the 41 home runs? You know what? Like you could you could you could argue that that's that's an acceptable trade-off, so right? He, he hit 40 bombs. Is like, look, you can't step up to the plate and swing at everything. That's what he does. Like, you know, like but, it's. But you expect that everybody's. The thing is with baseball, Mike, is that you have the guys that hit for contact at the top of the order. You have the guys like a. Carter so what happens when there's two outs in the bottom of the ninth and Chris Carter's at the plate? He strikes out on three pitches I want, that I'd suck. I'd rather him swing for the damn fences and try to tie the game with one swing of the bat than try to loop a single into center field for God's sakes. Okay, but you you can't swing at everything, is what I'm saying. If you get 200 strikeouts in a season. You're not. He led the you lead. You don't have. You don't have the proper plate approach. You don't. Like you, even if you hit 41 home runs, I don't is, care. Is that, Mike, the thing is, is that you can't hit home runs, doubles without striking out because you're swinging. Oh no, of for, course. For that type of hit. Okay. You're, like for example, do you think a slap hitter like uh, this might be a bad example? Maybe Ben Revere back in his prime, who had you know average. You know, 180 to 200 hits per season, hit 300, but has a three career home runs. Yeah, because you're. Oh no. Out. No. Oh yeah, because but you're he's not. Gonna, he's gonna slap a pop up into left or over to the third baseman when he gets out, yeah. or a ground ball out. Well, that. I, I, but look, that's what I don't understand. If you're putting, if but a ball in play is better than a strikeout. Is it? Is it not? Are you but, telling me okay, it's not? If you fill your team, <laughs> Mike, if you fill your freaking team with guys that are just going to freaking slap singles, are you going to win? Okay, of course not. No. So, you need the guys that are going to drive the ball for a double. Okay, two outs. Teams feel like they have those two players outs. already. Three, That's why they don't sign Chris Carter. Listen, because you're not, like, you're looking for... Okay. Mike, two outs. And then I want to hear this. Okay. Two outs. Your number three hitter comes up. Mm -hmm. He gets a walk. You got your number four hitter. Here comes Kenny Bryant, number four hitter. No, I'm just, I'm just Ken, saying. Kenny like Bryant, it's a, whatever. So Boucher walks, right? Boucher walks. I'm right. Like, With yeah. the, okay, two outs. You're running on contact. Or is it? But, well, Mike, who knows? It's, uh, you're running it's number on four hitter. So how about Piles? How about we throw in Derek Piles? Mike, can we stop talking about the Can Am League for God's sakes? <laughs> can we, can we talk about something else for okay. once? Okay. What do we for once? We do one segment. No, we talk about the Can Am League. The whole show. Anyways, doesn't matter. <laughs> okay. Like, I'm talking just baseball in general. You want a guy that's going to drive the ball. You're running on contact. you got to run right there if it's a double. Ball into the gap. Buddy from first is going to score. Mm -hmm. Buddy from first is going to score. I don't care if it's Boucher. I don't care if it's freaking Ben Revere. I don't care if it's Chris Carter. Well, if it's Big Poppy, then he's not going to score. Anyways, it doesn't matter from first. But I'm just saying 
that, you know, you need those guys. You need, it, every, that's what I love about baseball the most. It's almost like football, too. You have different roles with different players. Oh, absolutely. 100%. And every team needs power hitters. You need to have power in your lineup all the time. Yeah. So, and like, like I said at the beginning, Chris Carter is somebody who hits for power. Is it a trade-off that you want if he strikes out a lot? There should be a team out there that says, "Yeah, Chris Carter is the kind of player that we're looking team? for." But you know, but you exactly. But that—that's what it is. The AL is the hitters' league, so yeah. Like but you know what the he should be. I'm just saying that you, you you know you can't act like Chris Carter is like this godsend that just hits home runs every pitch that he swings yeah, at because he doesn't. He's Mike, not that good. Mike, you want to hear the the? Listen, I can understand if he's asking for 12 million. You know what the qualifying offer was that he that the Brewers declined to give him. It was four point five. Yeah, I was four point five million, man. I, for a guy that's gonna hit forty home runs, and then I, th- I he, thought it was like six, but yeah. No, okay. but what he was looking for was six and seven million. Mm-hmm. That, okay, that's what I you're saw. You're paying then. relievers these days for seven million, for God's sakes. Why yeah. not pay for a guy, Chris Starter? Put him on the bench, DH him in the American League for like. There's got to be like. Look at this. The, the the Rockies are playing a center fielder at first base. You're telling me they couldn't sign a Chris Carter, in Coors Field. Well, they've got Nolan Arenado. Like, yeah, but he's third base. No, I know, but I'm when you're talking about like the power in the lineup, though, right? Not all black. Yeah, but like they 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 have that part because they don't have pitching. Mike. They have that ability to hit already. So are you going to go out and get a guy who's going to strike out in a shitty or in a in a bad situation? You know. All right. Well, I know that was a good talk. That was a good talk. <laughs> I, I got it all out. If. Now, folks, if you look at the uh, the prep that I sent Michael, it was Dante is pissed. Dante is pissed. <laughs> <laughs> of course, that's going to wrap up episode 47 of what? the Diamond. We can't talk about the Super Bowl? Uh, we ran out of time. Ugh. We can talk about next week. Yeah. After the Super Bowl is over. How about that? Okay, sure. Because we'll actually have stuff to talk about exactly. regarding the Super Bowl. We're going to talk about... You can talk about it with hey, Primo we'll or so, Chambers so, or whatever. I don't know. Well, we were going to talk about... Uh, how Game 7 of the World Series compares to the Super Bowl. Who's going to host this show with you uh, next week? Is it going to be me? You got like a round table of hosts now yeah, that Chambers got, is gone. You, you, you got me, you got Decipio, you got Primo, <laughs> all these guys. Are you going to come? I would love to. Okay. Is, is that an official invite? Yes. Well, there we go. Uh, next week, Jordan Mills. Uh, we talked about him earlier in the show. will join us uh, yeah. from the Washington National System, mm-hmm. and he's a guy who played in Double A with the uh, Houston Astros and played with Austin Crisman of the Ottawa Champions in the Astros system and against him this season in the Can-Am League. He gets picked up, had great numbers. We'll talk with him uh, on, on next week's show. And, of course, that's going to wrap up Episode 47. Thank you so much for listening. You can follow myself on Twitter at Diamond underscore Dante and at 96 Nellis for Michael Nellis. We talk about the Can-Am League, Ottawa Champions. If you're interested, check us out on Twitter. Also, check out the Ottawa Champions on Twitter. They got a lot of followers these days at Ottawa Champions. Uh, Also, find our podcast on iTunes and on SoundCloud. You've been listening to episode 47 of Around the Diamond here on CKDJ 1079. We'll see you next week.